Oil companies are in free fall while SUV sales continue to surge on this energy edition of Industry Focus. Greetings, fools. I am Sean O'Reilly, joining you here from Fool Headquarters in Alexandria, Virginia. It is Thursday, January 14th, 2016, and joining me to talk all things energy and industrials is Tyler Crow and Taylor Muckman. What's up? Uh, what's going on, guys? Hello, hello, hello. Looking sharp in your uh, vest there. Hey, it's warm. I know. It's toasty. Yeah. It's all I needed today. What is it outside? It was it's 28 when I left. Yeah. A little, a little chilly. A little chilly. Um... Not chilly for SUV sales, though. Um, as a follow-up to last week's story, where I think, Tyler, you were talking about how SUV sales and truck sales and everything are surging here in the U.S. because gas yep. is, what, a buck ninety or something? Buck seventy-seven when I uh, came oh, in in Alexandria, Virginia well, you, today. You fill up whenever you come to no, Virginia, it's just No, it's like the one turn. <laughs> like, the one turn I make to the office, I have to go right by a gas station. And right there, it's like plastered right in front of my face. And I walk in, I drove in this morning, said dollar seventy-seven. Boom. I remember. I Did you get a big like, gulp? No, no, no. It's not sure. a not a seven. It's not a seven. What's a big gulp go for these days? What will gas be cheaper than a big gulp? That's what <laughs> it I want. Might know. actually be <laughs> because a a big gulp is smaller than a gallon of gas. Don't they pitch the big gulps like being a buck oh nine? But you can't refill your gas tank. Oh for free well, if you're still oh, in the store. Sorry, that's a good point though. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I'm sorry. You you must have taken some econ classes at one point. <laughs> Um, anyway, so as a follow-up to last week, um, basically GM just announced strong guidance for 2016. Um, they're uh, doing a $4 billion buyback. They're saying they're going to sell even more cars this year. Um, I guess uh, cheap oil prices are having an effect, huh? I guess you could say that. I mean, A little bit. It, so the, basically, they're guiding for $5.25, $5.75. Pretty large uptick from this uh, last year. But, you know, one of the big things that I think a lot of people got excited from is that they're boosting their their stock repurchase plan up to $9 billion, uh, up from five, which obviously is saying, you know, we're doing pretty well and we don't have to reinvest a whole lot in the business right now. So let's give it back to shareholders. And I think that's been something that. Uh, shareholders of GM and Ford have been kind of waiting for is you know when is it our turn? It's, yeah. it's been a, quite a while ever since you know the downturn and all the issues that GM has had over the years. You know I'm sure there's a lot of shareholders have been kind of itching, be like when is it our turn to really make those returns? Well, they've returned a nice amount in the in the market since the government intervention. I think right? Yeah, I mean. Maybe just people aren't noticing. Yeah, I guess that's would fair. be the best part about yeah. it. So Taylor, um, as as Tyler mentioned, um, Ford announced um, you know decent guidance and results and everything, but they just announced crazy sales from China. Now, last I checked, the Chinese stock market's crashing. They're always mm-hmm. tripping their circuit breaker. Let's talk about a pullback and slowdown there, hard landing, soft landing. Um, but we're not seeing that in auto sales there. Um, I think as what was it? They sold eighteen percent more cars in China. Mm-hmm. Than well, last year, like what? Where's the dichotomy here? Well, I think what you're looking at is the Chinese are used to purchasing consumer goods. I don't know if they're necessarily used to purchasing stock. It's a very retail-heavy right. stock market, and it's fairly new compared to the U.S. market. So, right. I think that they're still kind of learning how to adjust to the crazy growth that their markets had and and the skittishness that investors over there might have. I uh, saw a survey that indicated that. They feel much more like gamblers over there in terms of well, their size. The size of their stock market compared to ours relative to the, the size of each economy is infinitesimally small. Mm-hmm. It's way smaller. Yeah. Not only that, but their government buys stock on the open market regularly. Yeah, there's a lot more like, finagling going on over there. So I wouldn't necessarily 
translate stock market performance to consumer buying right. habits so this over seem, in China. So this seems to imply that the Chinese consumer is doing a little bit better than headlines would see, lead you to believe. Yeah, and you see that in in like retail sales over there as well. So um, this has been historically not a st- super strong market for American car makers. So right. if they can make headway like this. Then that's a totally new opportunity that investors can get excited about. Yeah, was it the Ford CEO that I said? I you may have missed it, uh, and I can't recall, so it's fine. But um, I think the Ford CEO said we expect China to be huge for us someday. So yeah, you would imagine so. I mean, there's a very small portion of the population that does drive. Um, you just have to wonder if they skip more, if they more or less skip traditional automotives and just wait for EVs to come out. Um, right. But you haven't really seen too much growth there either in terms of overall market share capture uh, from EV. So, I think it's got a few years to run here for traditional vehicles and growth in China. Um, and, you know, they're not seeing the only two companies that are producing high expectations. Magna International, which is a OEM parts supplier, they also um, build cars for smaller car companies, a Canadian company, but they do trade in the U.S. as well. Um, they even boosted their 2018 guidance. So, that's... What? Few years down Why? the line, <laughs> just that they, they see some positive things happening. Do they have a backlog? Like, how can they do that? They with do, any yeah. And um, so they basically provide pretty much any part you can think of that has to do with Spark plugs. And you see their name mentioned in the in the discussions when you talk about an Apple car or a Google car. Um, really, they could potentially be the builder. So they're in. Uh, there's there's just been rumors like that an Apple executive visited a plant of theirs in Europe. Um, last summer. Okay. So it's just a, a way for this company to maybe see some optionality and in getting into the the autonomous driving market without just being a part supplier. Cool. And kind of tying it a little bit back to energy here. One of the you know there's tons and tons of factors that go into you know the price of oil and a lot of the sentiment going around it. And one of the things that has been talked about a lot at least as of late, was that we should start to see a waning Chinese demand for oil. And when you see uh, sales figures that we've seen for, for automotives as of late, it makes you wonder what the metrics they're looking for in for oil demand in China. Because, uh, yeah, if we look at mark, you know, uh, what is it? Manufacturer purchasing indexes, they're very far down. And a lot of times we've kind of gauged the Chinese economy on that manufacturing export sort of model. But if we're seeing such strong consumer demand, which is going to be one of the major drivers for oil, probably more so since it is primarily a transportation fuel, it, it does make you wonder, are the concerns that Chinese oil demand is, is waning as much as yeah. some people are expecting it to? Well, whenever I see any of this stuff, I, I'm not surprised by the, you know, the the stuff that's going on in China right now is stock market crashing and everything because their current goal is to shift from a export-driven manufacturing economy to a consumer-driven economy, it's a little bit more like ours. That's exactly what's happening. Their stock market's comprised mostly of export-driven manufacturers. It's you know, it is what it is. Yeah, yeah, you know. Agreed. Uh, so before we move on, oh, I do want to put things in perspective. Um, Ford uh, did we, you know, Tyler and I, you know, you broke this out before we went in. Uh, the North American car market is still a lot bigger than Asia. Um, was this twenty two hundred million dollars or something like that? Yeah. For oh, the third quarter, two hundred million. What? Yeah, pre-tax so. results by segment, and it's uh, yeah, it is what it is. It's well, 
just to give a comparison, uh, third quarter pre-tax results by Ford's segments uh, regionally. Uh, North America was two point six billion dollars. Asia Pacific twenty million for. So, Profit margins. Profit margins. So just let's keep it a little bit in perspective here. Cool. Okay. Before we move on, I wanted to point our listeners to the newly redesigned focus.fool.com. There you'll discover a special discount on Motley Fool's Stock Advisor newsletter that works out to $129 for all IF listeners for a full two year subscription to start your year off foolishly. Just go to focus.fool.com to take advantage of this offer. Once again, that is focus.fool.com. And next up, we're talking about the free fall in energy transfer and Williams companies. Um, we are, well, I don't know, 14 days into the new year, and uh, Williams partners and Williams companies are getting hammered down 40%, and it's even dragging down other parts of energy transfer, uh, the energy transfer empire as well. Um, Tyler, cause for concern? <laughs> well, I mean, when you. Bartender lose- needs to cut them off. <laughs> You've had enough. <laughs> um, so, th- a lot of this has to go around the combination, merger, acquisition, what the heck, whatever the heck you want to call it, of Williams Companies and Energy Transfer. Last year, uh, you know, we had that kind of drama around it where Williams said, hey, somebody made us an offer to buy, but we turned them down because we think the we, stock we love worth you more. more. <laughs> and then, you know, then energy transfer can't, you know, said to everybody, "We're the ones that are buying. We think we can make this, this happen. We're going to tell everybody. I remember it's this. Worth sa- it. it sounded very high school at the time. And oh, it, sounds it did. Very and high school were, now. We we're talking about high, uh, hostile takeovers and everything. And now we've had a couple ball, ball, uh, balls start to roll in the MLP space where. You know, Kinder Morgan cut its dividend, and a lot because a lot of people were getting concerned. Oh, what if they lose their credit rating? And so they had to make that big move to cut their dividend to keep their credit rating intact. Williams Company just recently had its credit rating downgraded by Moody's from one notch above, you know, the line yeah, for so invest in, one line above yeah. investment down to just that one notch between uh, below into junk territory. Okay. Uh, which is for a large MLP, not very good. No, not very good at all. And so, when you have a non-investment credit rating after having one, it it start uh, and you combine that with Williams Companies, Williams Partners, who has this massive backlog of projects that they want to build out. We're talking thirty billion dollars worth of projects. That they need to finance, and they need to find some money for it. And you, you combine that with the fact that Williams Companies is trying to merge with energy transfer, there's a lot of questions as to could Williams Companies kind of shakier debt situation roll into energy transfer equity and compromise its debt ratings. Do you remember any like uh, breakup fees or anything? I do not remember if there's any breakup fees I mean, related to I'm this one. I wonder if everybody's going to be like, okay, maybe we need to wait a little bit or something. Whatever happens here, because if you look at how much the market is just abusing this. I mean, you've got all both Williams are down more than forty percent. Energy Transfer Equities down thirty nine. Energy Transfer Partners is down twenty three percent. Sunoco Logistics Partners down twenty six percent. I mean, this is just in twenty sixteen alone. I mean, these are big, big moves. It's two weeks into the year, and man. they're this is <laughs> it, they're year. really, really. Um, the market seems to be pricing in management is going to do something here. Either they're going to most likely. Um, somewhere along the way, Williams is going to have a dividend cut, or 
something along What's their those lines. Right now, you're saying earlier you, uh, they're they're asking for the cut. Sorry, I don't have it like in front 20, of me now, but it's, like 20, it's in the high double digits. Yeah, okay. I thought you said high teen, earlier, mid to high you know. teens for uh, Williams right now, and basically that shuts off the equity market. They can't raise capital to build there, and with a, a junk rating, it's going to be more expensive to build. It's just it's it's begging for management to make a move and say something that they're gonna do something to Given shore the, up the balance sheet and or cut its growth rate something but but just kind of sitting here and not doing there's anything there's plenty of precedent to cut that dividend i mean stop me kinder morgan just did yeah, it a month ago it was yeah tk plenty of precedent. tk tankers did it a little while ago master limited partnerships that have um, for years I, I would say irresponsibly paid out too much money to shareholders in relation to what they've been bringing in you know we talked about it with kinder morgan we, you know as uh, investors, we pushed for them to give us more cash, and they, you know, kind of put themselves to the brink with paying out all that they could. I try to get out, and they keep pulling and me back in. <laughs> and now we're in this Little situation. There. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I'm not surprised. Taylor, are you interested in any of these names right now? Doing a little nibbling at all? Uh, no. Cool. <laughs> Maybe conservatism wins the day. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe add to a couple in the next few months, but right now. Um, my only thought was just to buy an oil-linked ETF and just let it Call ride. it a day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not, a, not a producer ETF, just a commodity ETF. Right. And Oof. just wait till 60 to $80 in oil comes back in three to five years. Okay. All right. So, segment three is our mailbag. Leland Payne of Fairview, Texas writes, I'm really interested in what you, Taylor, and Tyler think about PXD. In the past, Motley Fool has high, uh, high regard for the company, and last week they sold 12 million shares priced at $117. They announced the offering late Tuesday, January 5th, after closing at 125 and the stock opened up the next morning at 115 The funds are being used to fund production increases. Does this make sense uh, for this company with WI, WTI trading at $31 trending downward? What do you guys think? Taylor? Um... Well, that's Pioneer Natural Resources. Is the ticket? Oh yeah, we're talking about um, no big deal. And I just uh, assumed everybody knew. I'm yeah, just well, now they do. It, it's yeah. the energy show after all. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, we got some. This stock hasn't listeners. fallen much in the last year and a half compared I mean, to what? Yeah, like, compared to its uh, peers. 18, let me 20? let me pull yeah. it up for you guys while you keep going. Compared to the peers, no, um, especially lately. And you look at its multiples; it is trading more highly than its peers. So, relative to its peers, maybe stock issuance wasn't a terrible idea. Right. Um, get while the money. Get the money while the getting's good. Yeah, maybe they want to go buy a, a <coughs> more a, a cheaper, smaller peer or just some assets from one of them. Uh, but you look at a 7.6 times EV to EBITDA multiple versus uh, a peer group of about 12 people that I looked at, average 4.6. So yeah. it is trading higher, much better debt profile. Um, and it was, I guess, Wall Street looked at it as kind of an encouraging fact that this deal was subscribed, fully subscribed. So, well, it wasn't like, surprising they opened assets. up a little down because it was priced, you know, a little right. bit below the market. Yeah. So that's fair. I mean, you know, but still, one seventeen that it was offered out is still valuing shares much higher than its large cap EMP peers. Right. Um, and I think rightfully so. It's growing production thanks to some efficiencies that it's still getting from optimization, reduced cycle time from well to well, and longer longer frack lines. Um, so it's doing things that are going to keep it competitive in this low price market, and it's got you know tremendous assets in the mid con. Cool. Yeah, and one of the things that they do have slightly going for them is if you look at 
sort of the way that cash lays out a lot of it seems to be they're getting to the point where all of these efficiencies and price gains and now with I guess you could say the services companies giving them such a larger discount than what they were used to getting they're starting to see a point where for a while there I think it was even David Einhorn was looking at them as as kind of the you know one of the staple examples of what's wrong in the shale patch but they're starting to get to the point where there's capital discipline there and those efficiencies are finally starting to catch up um, just actually pulling it up here uh, in the past 18 months right about July of 2014 is when we started to see kind That's of the shakiness in the yeah. market uh, pioneers down 47 percent from okay. there compared to um, then it, just to put that in a little bit of perspective continental resources is down 75 percent over that time uh, and Chesapeake Energy, everybody's favorites, down eighty-seven percent. Speaking so. of Continental, like they have zero hedges this year because Harold yeah. Ham stripped all those away. Whereas Pioneer Natural Resources has like eighty or eighty-five percent of its two thousand sixteen production hedged. Wow! Yeah, so, they made a, some decent moves. I mean, it's it's hedged at sixty dollars, which doesn't sound sounds fantastic. Good right now. But <laughs> when you're comparing it to twenty-nine, right thirty dollars, it sounds amazing. Looking like freaking geniuses over here. Yeah. And that's what Harold Ham just declared. He thinks the price is going to end at in two thousand sixteen is sixty dollars a barrel. So. Even if his prediction comes true, Pioneer isn't losing money on those hedges. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another little added bonus that they have is last year is they sold um, assets to Enterprise Products Partners for about, they netted about a billion dollars, but only got half of it. So this half of the year, they're going to get an extra $500 million, which will help to kind of pay for that um, capital spending. They kept their capital spending for 2016 just about level what they did mm -hmm. last year while still predicting, what, 10 to 15% production growth. So, if you can get that kind of efficiency, you, you can't really fault them too, too much for being a little bit more aggressive while everybody else is reeling. I mean, it's it's being a little greedy when everybody else is being fearful. I don't know. It's not the worst thing in the no. world. Okay, cool. Well, that is it for us, folks. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Tyler Crow and Taylor Markman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on.